Christmas tree. Isaac, what a lovely song. Thank you. Give it up for Isaac for putting that together. If only we had a little talent around this church, that would be nice once in a while. But oh, Christmas tree. You know, it truly is lovely, right? You know, when you think about a Christmas tree and the branches and the festivity it brings, right? And the, just the nostalgic feeling, you know, the warmth that a Christmas tree can bring to your home. You know what I mean? Just when you get it in your house or you, know, you get it set up and, and then you're like in your spot in that, in that room and you get your favorite drink and you're just drinking in the Christmas season, right? There's just something, there's something about it, you know? And, but then have you ever asked yourself the question, like, why do we do this? Like, <laughs> like what's up with the stinking Christmas tree? Like, like, wh- like, why do we get them out of our basements? and or drag them into our houses and light them up and decorate them and you know 80 percent of americans have a tree in their house and not a lot of that percentage is actually jesus followers or who actually believe in jesus like why in the world do we actually do all this right so like what's the symbol behind the christmas tree like what's the purpose behind why we go through the hassle of putting up a christmas tree so I got some good news and bad news, okay? Uh, Let me start with the bad news first. We don't know. (laughs) We really don't know for sure why we do what we do with the Christmas tree. Uh, You can Google it, have fun. There's a lot of legends, there's a lot of myths. I mean, it'll take you on a whole journey. Let me just give you a few, just to give you a taste of, of some of the possibilities of where this all came from. So like a Christmas tree and bringing an evergreen into your homes has always been in ancient times this way of to fight off disease and evil spirits. Uh, the Celtic Druids uh, would, would worship trees and they would think it was like a gift from the mother goddess. Uh, that they would decorate these oak trees with mistletoe to represent the wisdom of life. Uh, we've got the Vikings. They worship these like Scandinavian evergreen trees uh, from the sun. It was like the sun god's unique plant as a reminder of spring that winter would soon come to an end and that the world would turn green. 
The Puritans, now before, up until the mid-19th century, up until the 19th century, uh, Puritans uh, would actually forbid people from celebrating Christmas and decorating for Christmas, okay? Uh, They would literally, like, you were outcast, you were considered a pagan. So, by raise of hands, how many of you in this room have a Christmas tree in their house? Okay, now turn to the person next to you if they have their hand up and say, you're a pagan. Yeah. You guys are a bunch of pagans, okay? What's wrong with you people, all right? I mean, this is what they would think. In fact, they outlawed Christmas, so they literally would say that stores had to stay open on Christmas and churches had to be closed on Christmas, okay? I thought this was interesting. The only group in American history to ban Christmas in America were Christians. I mean, imagine that, right? I mean, it's just crazy. And a lot of times this stemmed back from this text from the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 10, where, where it reads, a tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an ax by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with, sing it with me, silver and gold, silver and gold. Seems pretty Christmas me to me, right? Wrong, okay? That's taking the Bible completely out of context. Jesus wasn't even born then, okay? You got to look all the way up and all the way down to know that in the context, this was God warning the Israelite nation to stay away from these pagan nations and their pagan idols, okay? But a lot of times people will try to take that out of context and say it's all based on pagan stuff. Now, when it comes to decorating the tree, uh, there's many different you know, people that can claim this, but one of the... Um, Uh, people that is claimed for getting credit for the starting of decorating a tree is a guy by the name of Martin Luther. The legend has it, Martin Luther, uh, that he was walking uh, one night out on a clear night in in the forest. It was around Christmas time, and uh, he was looking up, and it was a clear sky, and he saw the stars just shining through the evergreens. And he was inspired by it. So he got a tree, brought it home, and told his children to remind his family that Jesus is the light of the world. You got to remember, this was before electricity. So he literally was lighting candles on his tree. Talk about living on the edge, okay? <laughs> I don't recommend you doing that, all right? So again, a lot of different theories, but we don't know. We, we really don't know. So that's the bad news. Here's the good news. Since we don't know the real symbol and the purpose of why we put up a Christmas tree, the symbol's up for grabs, okay? Like God created everything. God created it all. He created the tree, so we can make it the symbol however we want it to be. And so here's my goal. My goal for you tonight is that you'd leave this room and whenever you see a Christmas tree or just an evergreen out in the forest, that it will remind you of something specifically. And in fact, I'm just going to give you the bottom line right now. Here it is. I want you to let the Christmas tree remind you of your eternity. Would you say that with me? Let the Christmas tree remind you of your eternity. And my hope is that whether you claim to be a Jesus follower in this room tonight or not, uh, that this thought that when you see a Christmas tree, it will give you an eternal perspective and it will make you pause for a moment to think of eternity and it will challenge you, it will convict you, and more so that it will just encourage you. That's my heart. That's my goal. But you might be asking, well, how in the world does a Christmas tree remind you of your eternity? Well, in order to answer that question, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning to find that answer. But before we do, let me pray for us. And so, Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for bringing each person here tonight, not by accident, not by chance. And so I just ask that you would help us to just take a deep breath and open up our minds. We're here, so why waste the time? 
Open up our hearts. Humble us where we might need to be humbled. Speak to us. Your word says that it's alive and living. And so, God, you came close for a reason. And so come close to us now and speak to each person right where they're at. And as always, please get me out of the way. I don't want to be a distraction. Let your word be the main thing. We love you, and we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as I said, the Christmas tree is nowhere found in the scriptures. You can't find a Christmas tree in the scriptures. However, you can find lots of trees in the scriptures that have symbolism. In fact, over 200 times, trees are mentioned in the scriptures. And so what I want to do is I want to go all the way back to the beginning, to the very first trees that God created in the garden. And he talks about two very specific trees that have symbolism. And then we're going to tie that to the Christmas tree. We're going to connect that. Don't worry, we'll get to Christmas, okay? So just hang with me. we got to start in Genesis. We'll eventually get to the New Testament. I'll just take about three or four hours, okay? Just kidding. All right. All right. So here we go. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9 says this. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so there are two very first symbolic trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil that represents the tree of death, and then the tree of life that represents the tree of everlasting life. So he creates this garden, creates these two trees, and then out of the ground, he decides to create man. His name was Adam. That's right, Adam. And so he puts Adam into this garden, and here's what he tells Adam. He says this, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay. Pretty big warning, right? Pretty, like pretty blunt, or, you know, just blunt. And it's a pretty good deal, right? I mean... Adam, you can have access to every stinking tree. You can have access to all the food, whatever you want. You got it, except for this tree, hands off. That's the deal. So then what happens? Adam is, he's there, he's in the garden, and then God looks around and he says, you know what? Something's missing. Something's not right. Something's not good. Something's missing. And this was the first time that God saw in his creation, and he said that something wasn't good. And he looked at Adam, and he says, something's not good. And Adam's like, what's going on? He says, it's not good for a man to be alone. And all the men in the room are like, can I get an amen, right? I mean, it's like, right? And so then he created females. He created you ladies. He created Eve. And all the guys in the room are like, amen, right? I mean, it's like, what would we do without you ladies? What would we do without our mamas, right? It would not be a good situation. And so Adam and Eve are in the garden, they're living life, and then something happens. They get deceived. They get tricked. They get shaken up a bit. And they go ahead and they take of the tree that God said, do not take of. And they took of the tree of death. And it was in that moment, it was in that moment that everything shifted. For the first time they felt guilt, for the first time they felt shame, for the first time they felt this thing that we call sin, and now they were separated from their creator God. Now, oftentimes when you hear this story, and many of you have heard the creation story before, a lot of times this question comes up, why in the world would God put that tree of death in the garden in the first place? Like, what's up, God? Right? And maybe for some of you in the room, that is what has kept you from wanting to follow or believe in God because why would a loving God put the tree, why would he tempt them like that? It's a good question. 
And so tonight, I want to answer that question using the Christmas tree. Okay? So stay here with me. All right. By raise of hands, how many of you in this room have a real tree in your house? You got a real tree. Amen? I see that hand. Amen? Who else? Amen? You're my kind of people. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Now, by raise of hands, I don't hate to even do this. Who in the room has a fake tree? Look at you. What a bunch of phonies. Bunch of fakers out there. Now, listen, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I got both. I got a fake tree and a real tree. We got the best of both worlds going on in the Whitaker household, okay? Uh, but come on, like, there's nothing like a real tree. Like the smell, I know some of you are allergic, but take that out. But like the smell and just the feeling of the life in the home, it's just there's nothing like it. Now stay here with me. When God decided to create you and me, he wanted to create real people. He wanted real, authentic people, not fake, robotic people. When he created you and me, he wanted to create real, authentic people, not fake robotic people. So if you think about that, when you think about a Christmas tree, I get it. It's like, it can be a hassle, the real trees, right? I mean, you got to go get it. You got to put it on your car. You got to take it off your car. You got to drag it through the house. It's messy. The needles are everywhere. They're unpredictable, right? You get them, finally get it up. They got their good sides. Then they got their not so good sides, right? And you're just like, you got to water them. You got sap all over your hands. It can be a little frustrating. It can be a little annoying, right? In the same way, God knew that. God knew that we would be unpredictable. God knew that we would be messy. God knew that we'd have our good sides. God knew that we'd have our bad sides. But yet there was something about us being real. And you know what? He's God, and he can do whatever the heck he wants. And I started to think about, well, if I was God, wouldn't I want the same thing? So, I mean, fellas, when was the last time you went to your honey, you went to your girl, you went to your wife, and you're like, you know what, girl? You know what I love about you, girl? I just love how fake you are. <laughs> like, like, I don't recommend trying that. Your Christmas might not go too well, okay? Right, just, you know. Like, what was the last time you just said, you know what I want more in my life? I just want some more fake friends. Just, just bring on some more fake friends in my life. There's nothing like, you know, God wanted us to be real. And so when you think of a Christmas tree, let it remind you of your eternity that you are not fake. You are real. You are everlasting. And so they take of the tree, and then what happens, the consequences of it are so tragic, they're so horrific, and then it's trickled down all the way to you and me today. Let me, let me share with you the, the consequences of it. And so the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Continues. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. This, my friends, was so tragic. This is like the most tragic thing that could happen to us. Because in this moment, we lost access to the tree of life. We, we were like, we had this. Now, we don't know what the tree of life looked like in the garden. Like I, we, we, No one knows. But go with the analogy. 
This idea of a Christmas tree, evergreen, everlasting. We all had access to the tree of life. And then because all have sinned and all have messed up and all have fallen short of the glory of God, now there's this divide. We once were evergreen, but now in the symbol, we're like deciduous trees that are losing life, that are breaking. The evergreen has always been a symbol of lush, long, everlasting life, ever, everlasting, evergreen. And that's what we once were. But because of our sin, because of our mistakes, because we took of the tree of death, we are all now like these deciduous trees that are losing life and we're like like brittle and we're breaking and we're losing life. And you know how it feels. Some of you know how it feels. This is us. This is you right now. You feel like you're losing in your marriage right now. It's breaking apart. It's falling apart. Man, I I hear you. When Jen and I are out of sync, man, it's just, I, I can't even function. I can't even like make a decision if we're not in sync. For some of you, maybe one of your dreams or visions or goals or plans is totally just like, just breaking. It just broke apart and it's painful. I think about visions and goals and things that I've gone after and I watch them just literally crumble right in front of my face. It's painful. It's embarrassing. Or some of you, you have this addiction that you keep going back to that thing over and over again and it's breaking you and it's breaking the people around you. I've been there. It's like, why do I keep going back to that? For some of you, it's parenting. It's like you feel like you're losing. It's like you try this, you try that, and then you just feel like, man, I don't even know why I was given the privilege to be a parent. I can't even get this right. And it's frustrating. For some of you, it's your reputation. Your reputation feels like a lost cause because there's something that you have done in your past that continually haunts you. No matter what you do, it's just like it's always there. It's always haunting you. And it's like it's it's just there. It never goes away. And it's here tonight in this room. And if you're honest, you feel even guilty being in the house of God tonight because of your past, because of your reputation. Listen, this is all Because of that moment, this is all because we have taken of the tree of death. And so, at one point, we all had access to the tree of life. Let the Christmas tree remind you of your eternity. We all had access to this, but then we lost it because we took of the tree of death. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Thank you for coming to Miles City. You're dismissed. <laughs> He's getting out. No, it's just, I was kidding. Sit down. Yeah, she, <laughs> it's funny, but you know what? That should be the ending. That should be the end of the story. That's what we deserve. We deserve death. But 2,000 years ago, a little over 2,000 years ago, God loved you so much. And that's why we gather tonight to celebrate Christmas. And a little over 2,000 years ago, there was a heavenly announcement that brings us to the Christmas story. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, wouldn't you? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, say it with me, good news of great joy. A little louder. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ Jesus the Lord. A Savior came to give us back access to the tree of life because he loved you so much. You know this verse. Some of you know it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look at it through our symbol of the tree. He loved you so much that he gave Jesus so that you would not perish, but now that you would have everlasting life, giving us back access, the gift of Jesus. But notice, as Jesus grew up, and Jesus did miracle after miracle, proving that he was God, he died on a cross, then three days later rose from the dead, taking on all of our sin on the cross. Now notice, Jesus died with a very, very purposeful approach. His death was very, very purposeful. Don't miss this. They didn't just push him off a cliff. They didn't just cut his head off. They crucified him on a cross. And notice how 1 Peter says it. He himself bore our sins, all of your past, all of your shame, past, present, future. He bore it all in his body on the, say it with me, tree. Catch it. Right there, the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, baby. By his wounds you've been healed. You see it? The Calvary tree that Jesus died and took all of our sin was literally undoing the tree of death in the garden and all that took place and giving us back access to the tree of life. But in order to have access back to the tree of life, you have to receive the gift of Jesus to get access back to the tree of life. Notice what it says next. Therefore, if anyone, that means you, is in Christ Jesus, receives Christ Jesus to be their king, he is now a new creation. The old is gone, it's passed away, the new has come. And my favorite, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, Travis, who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And so look, come on. When you receive Jesus, this is over. This is gone. You are now a new creation. I have been crucified with Christ. I was there symbolically with him and he paid for it. I'm no longer this. I'm this. I'm evergreen. I'm everlasting. The problem is, if you're a Jesus follower in the room tonight, we fall into this trap. I'm guilty too. We're supposed to be walking around like this, but we walk around still like this. This isn't you anymore. You're not sticks anymore. You're a new creation. You've got to embrace that. 
Remember, yes, you're still going to feel the pressures of sin. Yes, you're still going to fall. Yes, you're going to have your highs. Yes, you're going to have your lows. We are still living in a fallen world. We still have to, to wash our feet as Jesus did. But when you're saved, you're saved. You're not this anymore. It's been paid for, past, present, and future. God forbid that we then take it for granted. No! But when you mess up, you're not this. You are evergreen, and you embrace it, and you hold on to it. The problem is, for some of you in this room, if I could just be blunt with you, you're still this because you haven't received Jesus. You've never tasted of the Lord Jesus. You've never received Jesus, the fruit You've just received the tree of death, and this is still the symbol of your life. And that's why you feel the way that you feel. That's why you feel lost. That's why you feel broken. That's why you feel hopeless inside. You don't admit it to everyone else, but I know when you lay your head down at night, you're wondering, what the heck am I doing here? God doesn't want this for you. Every single one of us in this room have to settle our eternity. Remember, you're real. You're not a robot. You keep going when you leave this earth. Every single one of us steps in to eternity. You don't have a choice. And when you step into eternity, you got two options. You either step in to an eternal paradise with your creator, or you step into an eternal pain without your creator. You either step into an eternity called heaven with your loving God, or you step into an eternity of hell without your loving God. And I know sometimes when we hear the word hell in our society, we're like, oh, here comes the preacher, hellfire and brimstone, trying to scare me. Listen, I don't say that out of judgment, you know that when Jesus was here, he talked more about hell than he ever talked about heaven? Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants to save everyone from hell. That's why he talked about it. That's why he came. His first time that Jesus came was not to judge, but to save. But the second time he comes and he will come back, it's for judgment. Our goal at Miles City is to empty out hell as much as we can and fill it up with heaven. Where's your eternity? Have you settled it? Have you received Jesus who's given you back access to that? Are you hanging your eternity in the balance? If you haven't received the gift of Jesus, maybe that's why you're here tonight. And let this Christmas, 2023, define your eternity. And so let's just want to ask us to pray. Would everyone just bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're a Jesus follower in this room, I don't want you to check out. I just want you to pray. But maybe if you're honest, you'd say, you know what? I stepped into this room not really knowing why I was coming here today, but you know what? I'm broken. I know that. My, my symbol of my life are the sticks. I, I am broken. I'm lost. I know it. I've never settled my eternity with God. And I don't understand everything. And guess what? I don't either. But there's something tonight that's stirring in my heart that I want to believe 
and put my faith in Jesus. It's making sense tonight that he's the one that gives me access back to eternal life. I can't believe that a God loved me so much that he'd pay for my sin. And so I want to receive that gift. And so if that's you, if you're tired of walking around like sticks, if you're tired of playing the guessing game with your eternity and you want to settle it once and for all and receive Jesus as your Savior, then I'm going to ask you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise I won't call you out. But I'm going to count to three and I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so I can help pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior. So if that's you, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior tonight to grab onto eternal life, I'm going to count to three and you just lift your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Who else? Amen. I see you in the back. Amen. You're not alone. Okay, you can put your hands down. Remember, you're real, and God wants a real relationship with you. And so here's a real prayer that you make your own between you and God. In the quietness of your heart, just say this. Just say, Father... I know I'm broken. And so right now, I'm reaching out for you. Just say this, I surrender. Forgive me of my sin. And then with gratitude, just say thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. And then just just say this, just say, right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. Just say that. I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. As we continue to pray, my friend, like if you really owned that, if you made that your own, then you'd be confident as we've just talked about. You will no longer perish, but now you have everlasting life and no one can ever take that from you. Father, thank you for loving us so much, for making us real, for wanting a real relationship with us, for restoring us back to you. It's unbelievable. Thank you for never giving up on us. You're such a good, amazing, loving God. We love you and we pray this in the power of your son's name. Amen. Can we give it up for those who have put their faith in Jesus today for the first time? Their eternity has been shifted. There's a party going on in heaven right now. The angels are rejoicing for the decision that you've made tonight. Never forget this night. Never forget it. In fact, I want to ask you to do something. If you made that your own tonight, please tell someone. You can text us. You can tell someone that you see here. You can tell someone that brought you or you came with let someone know. Listen, being a Jesus follower is not a solo sport. It's a team sport. Don't walk alone. Don't walk alone. Hey, one one final application before we get out of here. You know, Christmas, um, isn't it crazy as Americans? It's like six weeks of just like hype, 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 Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And then within 60 seconds, it's like gone. 
and then we're like packing it up, turning the lights off, and then it's just so dark. And uh, January's tough, especially in Michigan, right? Um, I really want you to be challenged with letting the Christmas tree remind you of your eternity. And so here's a little challenge. When you pack up your Christmas tree, I want you to pick one ornament, okay? Just one ornament. And I want you to not pack it up. And just put it in your kitchen, put it in your bathroom, put it wherever you you would see it to remind you of your eternity. I don't know what the next year is going to hold for you. Listen, when you're a Jesus follower, that doesn't mean it's all going to be rainbows and lollipops, okay? Being a Jesus follower doesn't make your life easier, but it does make your life better. It makes your life more full, full of his love, full of his joy, full of his peace that surpasses all understanding. And so let that symbol trigger your mind to be, to just whatever happens in your life, that it will shift you to an eternal perspective to be like, I know where my eternity's at. I know I've settled it because of Jesus.